Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, the show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Welcome to a brand new book. And Tuesday. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Leviticus. Leviticus. It's a fun book to say. Leviticus. Leviticus. Francisco. That's a fun name to say. <laughs> That's, uh, what's his face from that one movie? Yeah. That, Elf. Every year. Yeah, yeah. That one. Leviticus. That's a fun name to say. It is, though. It is. Yeah. And it comes from? Leviticus. Leviticus. The Bible. It comes from the Levites. Right. Pertaining a, to the Levites. Yes. Concerning the Levites. Yeah. Uh, from the, uh, the what's it called? The uh, the Latin translation of the Bible. Yeah, like if we wrote a book about stuff that Pastor Rod does, we would call it Pastor Rodicus. I don't know that we would do that, but I guess, yes. It probably wouldn't get read as much. You know, it probably wouldn't deserve it. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that though, because man, Leviticus, I feel like this is about the time that everybody kind of peters out on their resolve to read the Bible. We're going to challenge you not to peter out, not to Pastor PJ out of this thing. <laughs> We want you to stay in the book of Leviticus. And we're going to tell you why this book is so valuable, even though you're not a Levite. Right, right. Yeah. Give us 15 reasons, Pastor PJ, why Because Leviticus... reason number one is it's it's part of the Bible. Reason number two is it's it's uh, it's actually part of the, the Old Testament okay. in the Bible. Good, reason number good, three good. is yeah. uh, it was written by Moses, mm, who was inspired mm, by God. Preach it, yeah. He was writing the Bible. Yes. No, we are going to get into some of the richness here because there is, there's a ton of richness in this book. It's so good. It's one of the best books in the Bible. I'm... I'm falling in love with Leviticus more and more as we're reading it right now. Falling more in love I with you. I can't help falling in love with Moses. Uh, let, let me ask, because yeah. everyone's going to be asking this uh-huh. now. Yeah. Are Everybody you going to asking Everyone about this? wants to Everyone know. wants to know. Everyone's been asking me. <laughs> Where did you get your facial cleanser? What hair and product do you use? <laughs> is Pastor PJ going to preach Leviticus? Are you going to preach? Perhaps. A, someday I will. Someday, like this I, Sunday? Someday? No, because I'm in John right now. But I have been known to preach the Old Testament. Um, I enjoy preaching the Old Testament. I preach through First and Second Samuel. I preach through Ecclesiastes. Mm. Preach through Proverbs. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, perhaps we would do Leviticus. I don't know. Pastor Bobby Blakey did with our one of our church plants. Who's that? Pa- oh, yeah. uh, Pastor of Compass Bible Church Huntington, Huntington Beach. Beach. He preached through it, and uh, Bobby's a unique guy, and I, I think he he did it well. Uh, but yeah. It's okay. a it's a great book, but let's get into talking about why it's such a great book. Okay, let's yeah. do it. So Leviticus, high level outline. You've got twenty seven chapters here. So chapters one through seven break down to uh, laws about sacrifices. So that's where we're going to be today and over the next couple of days is, is talking about laws about sacrifices. Chapters eight through ten, you get into laws about the high priesthood. Uh, chapters 11 through 16, then you get into a lot of laws about uncleanness. What makes someone clean versus unclean? And and we'll walk through uh, some of that goodness there. Some Maybe don't eat before we get into that chapters, those chapters because there's some, some kind of gross stuff in there. I'm not uh, bothered by that at all. Really? I have my donut and my coffee with it. As not not It's talking about the, the, the warp and the woof and not the fabric and the... the Discharges, bring it on, man. Leprosy. Okay. I should have been a doctor. That's all I'm saying. You should have been. Yeah. And and then chapter 17 through 27, kind of more practical holiness matters. Uh, If you're wondering, okay, Leviticus, how can I understand this better? I've got the Bible knowledge commentary. I've got MacArthur's commentary. I want more. Uh, If if you really want to go in depth, probably the top commentary on Leviticus is the new international commentary on the Old Testament on Leviticus. That one is uh, considered by most to be the, the, the number one. It's written by a guy named Gordon Wenham. W-E-N-H-A-M. Um, so that's one to get. Uh, also, the uh, the Focus on the Bible series on Leviticus is helpful as well. 
uh, Jay Sklar, S-K-L-A-R, wrote that one. and uh, Or no, that one, I'm sorry, Tyndale. He wrote the Tyndale, Tyndale. one. Um, which the is exegetical commentary. Is good. Yeah, and the Zondervan exegetical commentary. Yeah. So Tyndale, Zondervan exegetical commentary, or New International commentary on the Old Testament. If the, that scratch is an issue that you have, we would recommend those. Otherwise... The other ones are good enough. Yeah, a study Bible is, is super helpful and, yep. and sufficient enough to get you through it without any difficulty. Yep. But I was going to say, if you're into commentaries and you want a good set, I, I don't think you could do poorly with the Nikot series. N-I-C-O-T, uh, New International Commentary on the Old Testament. Yeah. There's Okay, let me add a qualifier. Rarely will any pastor tell you, oh, get this series, because right. there's always good ones and there's some stinkers in there too. Right. But if you're saying, look, I want an all-in-one Generally speaking, Nikot's up there. And the NICNT, the New International Commentary of the New Testament. Right. And not cheap. They're you're not gonna, cheap. You're, you're going to spend some some cash for that. Yeah. But having a good commentary set in your family library could be a benefit. And it would say something to your family, too. Yeah. Hey, we're, we're, we take the Bible seriously. We want this in our family. That said, everything that I own, most of it anyway, is on Logos. Yeah, same. So yeah. I'm going to have to give my kids my login access at some point. Yeah. Terrifies yeah. me. <laughs> Here, you can have it. Use it. Use it wisely. Yeah. Um, yeah. NICOT, NICNT, helpful, good. Let me add this qualifier, technical. Um, there's different ways to think about cat- of, of commentaries out there. There are commentaries that are, we would call them devotional commentaries. Devotional commentaries are commentaries that are are what it sounds like. They're they're easy to read. Highly applicable. Right. Highly applicable. Like the Tyndale New Testament couple, commentaries or Tyndale commentary series period. Right. Give you a couple of insights here and there. Voice um, commentaries. Yeah. Pastoral commentaries would be that next level. Uh, the MacArthur New Testament commentaries are probably more pastoral than they are. Homiletical commentaries. Yeah. 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 And that's as it would, the name would imply aimed at pastors. It's going to be a little bit more involved. And then the third level is technical. Technical is going to get into the language. It's going to be dealing with the, some of the original languages and, uh, and it's going to be making some insights that are, are, as the name would imply, technical. Uh, the NICOT, NICNT would fall into that third category of being technical commentaries. Yeah. Okay. I, I I see what you're saying. I I the most most of the content, probably eighty percent of it, you could get through as a layman. I think. Yeah. And derive great value from them. Some of the language conversations, yes, those are going to be probably above your head. Yeah, it's not that it's written in Hebrew or anything <laughs> like that. It's written in Latin. But it will say it's this word, and it will give you the Hebrew and then a transliteration of the Hebrew. Yeah. And for most of our listeners, they're probably going to go, what okay, moving on. Pastor Rod deceived me, right. and I was deceived. Yeah. Yeah, no, I guess you're right. Th- th- those are on the more technical side. So you're going to need some foundational knowledge if you want to derive the most value from them. But they're still great to have. They're great. Aspire to grow your library and be a Bible reader who studies and thinks deeply about Aspire to greatness. I mean, aspire to be a great Bible reader, man. <laughs> yes. All I would about agree that. With that. Well, let's get into Leviticus chapters one through four. Chapter let's one. Let's dive into the richness. Yeah. Chapter one, we're dealing with burnt offerings. Remember, we just talked about the tabernacle. So this is helpful because it's right in a rear view mirror. You had the bronze altar, which was located outside because this is the, the burnt offering place. This is in the courtyard here. And this is where uh, the, the, the offerings would take place. The sacrificial animals, the carcasses would be burnt here. The blood would be sprinkled here or smeared here on the horns of the altar. So we'll talk some about that as we get into the sacrifices. But uh, verses one through two, obviously this is the introduction of the book. Uh, Moses is identified here as the continuing continuing mediator between God and the people of Israel. And then we get into three different animals that are offered in the burnt offerings. You've got cattle uh, described in verses three through nine. You've got the sheep 
and the goats in 10 through 13, and then you've got birds in verses 14 through 17. Uh, obviously, the, the, the greater the size of the animal, I think the greater the costliness of the sacrifice would have been, and that's why the birds were reserved for those that really couldn't afford to bring their sacrifices. They could offer birds instead. But um, what, what took place here? Well, uh, in verse four, uh, atonement is made. Now, atonement is a, a word to pay attention to all throughout Leviticus because it's a word that comes up over and over and over and over again. In fact, it's especially in Leviticus chapter 16 when we get into the day of atonement. But even here in the introduction here, the, the priest is making atonement for the people. To make atonement is to satisfy God's wrath. And so the, the priest is making atonement through the sacrifice of the animal. Now, um, we'll get into more of this probably as we get along and the, the, the concept of, of Hebrews and why Jesus is the better atonement and the better sacrifice here. But mm-hmm. at the outset here, that was the priest's role. He was there to make atonement because sin demands atonement. God's wrath has to be satisfied. So in verse four, atonement is made. Verse five, through the death of the animal. And verse five also, and the, the blood of the animal, which represented the life of the animal. So those are going to be true as well for the sheep and the goats and the birds there in verses 14 through 17. Along the offer that the burnt offering is consumed, um, not yes. by a person, but by God, so to speak. Yes. It, the fire burns the whole thing, and then they take it outside the city gates and they dispose of the carcass after the fact. So something to note here. Um, again, this is all for the Levites. This is how the Levites are to handle the sacrifices and the Day of Atonement and, and the various uh, discharges and whatnots. So this isn't a directly to this isn't to the normal Israelite. Right. This is for the class of Israelites, the the, the, the tribe of Levi, who were supporting the functioning of the tabernacle. Um, important for you to see. Um, as you read through this, why Jesus is such a breath of fresh air for us. Yeah. This is, I, I get tired just reading it. Right. But I'm so thankful that I'm not under this burden, at least right now. 100%. There's, a, there's, there's evidence that the millennial kingdom will reinstitute the sacrificial system. And we'll talk about that again when we get there. We will. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's... Okay, you're just throwing cliffhangers out all over I, the place, aren't you? I, you know, I'm just trying to put pieces together. Well, all. you're just gonna have to keep reading the Bible until we get to the Millennial Kingdom. <laughs> so that's Revelation 20. Yeah, so yeah, we'll you're there. In we'll it for we'll a while. hit that before that. We'll, we'll get yeah. there before. Yeah, that. We'll see. Hey, uh, Leviticus chapter two. Then we get into the grain offerings, and the grain offerings could come in the form of being uncooked in uh, verses one through three there or being cooked in verses four through 10. In other words, a loaf of bread that would be brought. Mm. And here we get the fact that the priests were able to partake. So this was different than the burnt offering. The burnt offering was consumed completely, but here the priests are able to, uh, to eat of this grain offering. And this was a way that the priests were provided for because the priests didn't have their own, when they get into the promised land, this is in the future, but the priests won't have their own land. They won't be able to go out and, and till their own land, things like that. Here, they're, they're provided for through the, the gifts and the offerings of food and, and other things that are brought into the, the tabernacle. Uh, verses 11 through 16, you get into some miscellaneous requirements for the grain offerings. One thing that's worth noting here is the salt, the presence of salt there. Mm. Uh, chapter 2, verse 13. And uh, you may wonder, well, why was there salt in, involved in the grain offering? Does God need his food seasoned? Remember, this is not about giving God food. He is not an idol that needs to be fed. This is about the priests. But no, the presence of salt was a, a preservative, and it was meant to remind the people that the covenant, the Mosaic covenant, was going to be preserved. It was going to endure that it was not something that was temporary, that this was uh, uh, the, the adding of salt to the offering would remind the Israelites that, that this was going to be an ongoing and perpetual covenant that they would have. Anything to add to the, the grain offering, Pastor Rod? No, no okay. I thought you covered it well. Chapter three, then we get into the third kind of offering here, the peace offerings, the, the peace or fellowship offerings, maybe as some call it. And 
Uh, unlike the, the grain and the burnt offerings, this was an optional offering. Leviticus 7 describes some occasions that might be appropriate, uh, such as uh, confession. One might bring a, a, a fellowship offering or just free will, saying, I'm, I'm bringing this of my own free will here. Fulfilling a vow might be another reason that someone might offer a peace offering or a fellowship offering. Um, another difference between this and the other offerings was that the worshiper was permitted to eat some of the animal as well. And so that's one, cool. Yeah. One commentator made the point that these were often kind of celebrations. These were feasts Yeah, because everybody was eating of the, the offering. Here. That's my favorite offering right there. <laughs> we all party. And uh, again, it, you'll find in this chapter, the different animals that could be offered as a peace offering being cattle, sheep. And when we read sheep, rams would be included in that. That'll factor in later on in the book of Exodus and not too mm-hmm. distant future. So don't just think Baba black sheep, but. Some rams were involved in this. We too. did finish Exodus, though, just to be clear. Uh, Leviticus. That's what I meant. Getting yes. into Leviticus. Yep. Yeah. Just to be clear. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. And then uh, goats in verses 12 through 17. And the the, the greatest verse. The greatest verse in Leviticus. No, it's not the greatest, but it's up there. It's up there. And it's if you uh, got a little more bounce to the ounce, this is for you. <laughs> bounce to the ounce. <laughs> I hey, haven't heard that one. Let's, let's, let's <laughs> preach it, man. Here we go. Leviticus uh, 3.16, technically 3.16b. It's the second half. Yeah. All fat is the Lord's, mm. which I just hear in the voice of Jack Black from Nacho Libre. <laughs> okay. Because he says these are the Lord's chips. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, that's the Lord's fat. Okay. Yeah. I hear that. Yeah. All fat is the Lord's, which what he was talking about there is the fat of the animal was to be placed on the, the, the burnt offering. It yeah. was to be added to the burnt offering, which was perpetually there and always ongoing. And so these animals would be added and their, their entrails and their fat and their, their kidneys, things like that would be added to the the burnt offering, and it wasn't consumed by any of the the Levites there. The Lord consumed it. It was valuable. Yeah. It was the most valuable part of the animal. I don't know. I don't know why. I guess that that's un- unusual to me because uh, I, I, I like fat, but I also like meat with my fat. So when I get the brisket, I don't get the lean brisket. I get, get the, the moist because yep. that's, that's my favorite. I want the fat and the meat. But in this case, the Lord just wants all the fat. I'll take that. That's yep. cool. Yep. Well, now we get to sin offerings in chapter four. So we haven't hit sin offerings yet. These are, are more offerings that are an expression of worship uh, to the Lord. And now we're transitioning into what do you do when you disobey the Lord? What do you do when you've sinned against him? And that's what this chapter's purpose was. It was to teach Israel what to do in response to their inadvertent or unintentional sins. That's in, in chapter four. All by itself instructive. Right. Because we're going to get to when Israel sins, as the text is going to say, with a high, high hand. hand. We'll talk about that later. Mm. But this is more, this was a whoopsie, not a mistake, because we got to be careful not to call sin a mistake. Sin is, is sin. When we disobey God, we are culpable for that. I can make a mistake because I didn't turn where I was supposed to turn. And I, I don't bear guilt for that. I may suffer consequences for a mistake, but it's a mistake. It's a morally neutral thing. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about these are unintentional sins, we're not saying like, this is a mistake and they shouldn't be held accountable. No, they, in fact, they are. And that's why these offerings have to be made here. But these are things that they're not doing willfully rebellious of God's law, saying, I know what God's law says, and I'm still going to do it anyways. Which speaks to the fact that we should be repenting on a daily basis. Yeah. Because you and I sin in probably countless ways that we never perceive because right. they're unintentional. Right. And more often than not, because they're unintentional, they're, they're subconscious. We're not actively thinking about them. And that speaks to at least two things. Number one, this is why knowing your Bible is so important because the more awareness you can bring to your life about how you should be living according to God's law, the more you can be intentional not to sin. Secondly, it also speaks to the fact that God keeps track of all the sins that we commit, both those that we commit on purpose and those that we commit on accident. To Pastor PJ's point, so it's so important that we don't 
create different language around sin, like mistakes. Sometimes pastors will talk about that, Pastor PJ. They'll say, oh man, God forgives all your mistakes and all your uh, all the, what are some of the other words that they might use? Mistakes is one of them. Right. That's a big one. He forget, you know, and they might actually combine that word with others. God forgives all the errors that you've made, the mistakes that you've had, you know, the issues that you brought. And that's, that's true-ish. Your imperfections. Your imperfections, yeah. That's, yeah, one that, that's a good one. There. But that really doesn't get to the heart of it. Uh, to, to say mistakes, imperfections really just doesn't hit the nail as hard on the head as we would like. Yeah. We would suggest that you don't justify your sin, but that you own it. The, the sins that you commit against God are grievous and they should be repented of, even if you're not aware of them, which is why it's so important. You wash your feet, man, as Jesus told his disciples. Come right. to him, repent of your sin, even to say, Lord, forgive me the sins I don't, I don't know. Um, and even bring it to my attention. And praise God, he doesn't answer that, the, he doesn't answer that prayer all at once. Right. He'll usually just reveal like, well, a little bit to the time. It. Okay, here you go. <laughs> here you go. <laughs> Encyclopedia. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, th- that's an important point. Yeah. And, and in fact, one that Luther grabbed in his 95 theses that he nailed uh, to the, the Wittenberg door. Speaking of nail on the head. Yeah. When he was uh, confronting the Catholic Church, he said of a believer, the believer's life should be one of constant repentance. Yep. Um, yep. And, and that's that's exactly the point that you were just making. Day so. by day, man. Well, there's there's different categories of people that can sin unintentionally here and different requirements for each of them. So the, the first category addressed are the priests in verses 3 through 12. And uh, when they would sin, uh, their sin, in, in effect, had an impact on the entire sanctuary, that is, the, the entire tabernacle of God. And so... Uh, the sacrifice of their uh, their their sin offering would be uh, would be uh, sacrificed, killed, the animal killed, and the blood would actually be taken inside the the tabernacle, mm. and it would be sprinkled there at the base, not in the holy of holies, but it would be sprinkled at the base of the uh, the veil there, the curtain there. And it was meant to uh, be done seven times, which was a, a number of fullness, and it was about cleansing. It was about cleansing the 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 worship. Uh, space because the sin was the sin of the worship leader, so to speak there in the Levite. And so the, the blood was sprinkled there before the veil of the Holy of Holies. And it was also sprinkled uh, on the horns of the altar, which uh, there represented the holy place just outside the Holy of Holies. So this was significant that the sanctuary needed to be cleansed. And that was true of the priest, but it's also true of the next group too, which is the corporate body. When Israel as a nation would commit a sin against God, uh, then the the tabernacle needed to be cleansed as well itself as lo- as well as the the nation of Israel there uh, the, the blood being poured out at the base of the altar outside of the tabernacle pastor Rod, any thoughts on the significance of the why the blood was then taken the rest of it and poured out at the base of that altar no okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> <Don't. and> it, <laughs> what do you got brother I, I, one commentator pointed out it, it could be just a, a that was the place of devotion to the, the Lord. That's where the rest of the animal was burnt up. And they're pouring out the lifeblood of the animal. That, that oh, okay. blood represented the yeah. life of the animal. So yes. they're, they're adding that to the offering of the rest of the wholeness of the life. They're not tossing it to the side. They're, they're saying that. this yeah. is part of our offering. So. Yeah, I make, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I agree. Double stamp that. Amen. Awesome. <laughs> so the priest and the, the corporate body, man, the, the whole tabernacle had to be cleansed as well. Uh, there. The, the next group then are, are just leaders of the people. So these may have been some of the elders that Moses appointed. Remember when Jethro came along and said, hey, what you're doing is not good. You need some elders, uh, leaders of families, clans. And, and when they sinned, the, the sin was not as serious in that it didn't defile the tabernacle because they weren't in that position as the, the Levites were, though their sin was still grievous before God that needed to be atoned for. And so it would be made, a, a, a atonement would be made by the animal being sacrificed and uh, the, the blood 
would uh, not be sprinkled inside the sanctuary, but outside the sanctuary there at the the altar where the the uh, the bronze altar there outside. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that was true of the leaders. And then also just the average Joe, which is there in verses 27 through 35, same process as that for a leader. Uh, and notice the animals are different here. The, the leaders and the animals are able to bring, or the leaders and the, the regular people are able to bring animals that weren't as expensive, weren't as costly as the Levites and the, uh, the, the, the corporate sins were. Which I found interesting. I know we're going to see this quite a bit when, when God's going to say things like, hey, if, and if you can't afford this kind of animal, then yeah. you can bring two turtle doves or two pigeons or what, what have or you. Or a handful of flour. Or a handful of flour. I mean, that, that, that speaks to the mercy of God in my yeah. mind because yeah. it's like, hey, you may not be able to afford this or that. You bring what you can right. and demonstrate your repentance and God will receive that. I find that to be incredibly comforting. But I also, the, the observation that came to my mind as I was looking at the whole congregation sinning, uh, and I grant that this is, this is in, in God's perspective, probably he's thinking the majority of the people are sinning, like the golden calf incident, for, for, right. for instance. Um, I, I think one of the clear takeaways in my mind from the book of Leviticus, but in particular this this section, is that sin bleeds, no pun intended. Sin defiles more than just those who are partaking of the sin. You never sin in a vacuum. Sin infects and affects people all around you. Yeah. And and sometimes perhaps in ways that you, you don't perceive, but certainly are being felt. I don't exactly know how to t- describe that, except to say that it, it's evident. If you if you have someone in your home that's sinning, or you, you sin against your wife, or you sin against your husband, that that sin is felt by everyone else around you, one way or another, and it affects everybody. Sin is never clean and easy, and in its own little microcosm, it affects and infects everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. There are the uh, the introduction to the offerings in the book of Leviticus. See how good Leviticus is. It's really good. I am. I'm already. I'm encouraged. Yeah, <laughs> not to sin. <laughs> Courage, not to sin. And I'm reading. I'm loving the book already. And we're a couple of days ahead of you guys, probably. Yeah. Um, but this is a good book, man. It is a good. Glad book. We're going through it. Yep. The Bible. It's a good book. I like it, Mark. I re- I recommend it. Keep reading it. Join us tomorrow as we keep reading Leviticus with you. We'll see you then. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.